The Problem of Evil Lesson 3 Resolving the Problem Theists have long sought to resolve it without abandoning their belief in an all-powerful, all-knowing and all-loving God. There are various solutions which have been put forward. Abandon classical theism altogether. That evil is necessary for good to exist. That evil needs to be seen in a wider context. For example, life after death. That evil is a means to a greater good, perhaps soul-making, or that this is the best of all possible worlds. And finally, that evil is the responsibility of humans, the free will defence. These last four are known as theodicies. Obviously, simply abandoning the idea of classical theism altogether is not an option for the believers, but the following three positions might be adopted after considering the reality of evil in the world. 1. Non-realism. The Wittgensteinians, like Phillips, do away with the existence of God seeing that talk about God is no more than a believer's attitude, expressing a certain commitment to life. We shall examine this in more detail in the third topic of this module. 2. Process theology. Whitehead suggests that God is not omnipotent, but is the great companion, a fellow sufferer who dwells within his creation. God himself is in the process of development. 3. Certain sects, like the Manichaeans, held that God is not the sole or ultimate powerful deity. God is in competition with the devil for control. The devil is responsible for evil, which is beyond the control of God. Here, God's omnipotence is undermined. It's clear that these three accounts do not cohere with the traditional theist account of God, and so they will detain us no longer. But for Hume, of course, we cannot deny that evil exists. We cannot know that God will rectify the evil. And therefore we see that evil is grounds for suggesting that God does not exist. And so to our first real theodicy, Augustine. A theodicy based on free will and the idea that evil is the absence of good, having no real existence in itself as a positive power. Much depends on how you see it, for all of creation is good. In God's eyes, all things are good. The starting point for Augustine's theodicy is the claim that everything is created good. He thinks that it makes no sense to think of God as having created anything evil. God is wholly good. There could be no possibility of evil in God, so anything which he creates is good itself. In the Bible, of course, God looks at his creation at the end of the Genesis story and declares that what he has created is good. There are many different plants and creatures in the world and Augustine sees that there is a hierarchy of beings. Those with the power to reproduce over those who do not. The sentient living things over those which are insensitive. The intelligent over the unthinking. Man over cattle. Angels over mortal beings. Each plant and creature has a place in this natural order of being and is good. So to be a worm lower down the scale is not to be evil, just to possess goodness to a lesser degree. Everything possesses goodness to a lesser or greater degree, and hence for Augustine, being and goodness are identified and connected. There is a problem. If all creation is good to a greater or lesser degree, how then is there evil in the world? Augustine's answer is that evil is nothing positive, but is simply a privation, a lack or absence of goodness. Evil enters the world when something turns away from its proper place in the hierarchy of being. 
and thus renounces or gives up its proper role in the divine scheme. It ceases to be what God meant it to be. Now, we have seen that for Augustine, existence and goodness go hand in glove. This means that nothing can be wholly evil. Evil is a privation of goodness. Goodness is being. If something were to be wholly evil, it would cease to exist. Here, evil is parasitic on good. Remember, that everything was created by God and God saw that it was good. Note, Augustine does not mean that what we experience on an everyday level as evil acts are simply in the absence of good. These do exist as positive acts. Augustine's account is rather telling us what evil is in itself. The Problem of Evil, Lesson 3, Part 2. Augustine's Theodicy continued. Why then do some creatures turn away from their proper role in creation? Augustine answers that this is the exercise of free will. God has made some creatures, angels and humans, with free will, and it is in the exercise of that free will to turn away from God that evil enters the world. It is the turning to the lower, the turning itself, which is evil. And the name of this turning is pride. Angels and humans who turn away from God and the order he has set out do so because they prefer themselves to God. They prefer a lesser to a greater good. And they suppose that their good lies in their own selves rather than with God. This is rooted for Augustine in the story of Adam and Eve. They chose to disobey God, which led to the fall. This fall altered human nature. There is enmity between human beings and animals. Giving birth causes pain, and we must work hard to survive. Genesis 3, 15-19. The bottom line here is that in the words of Lacewing, nature and human nature are out of sorts. Evil has entered the universe through this turning away from God's order from the divine plan, all through the exercise of free will on the part of free, rational beings. Moreover, he thinks that this explains not just moral, that is human evil, but also natural evil. Augustine's grounds for this thinking is that it is the fallen angels, Satan and his cohorts, who cause natural evil. These are free beings who have turned away from God and who seek to wreak havoc with God's creation whenever they can and the result is natural evil. The world is good. It just depends on how you see it. To complete this account of Augustine's theodicy, we should note that there is an idea that evil is only evil from our perspective. In the sight of God, all things, even in the world, are good. Augustine likens the universe to a work of art. Some might seem, uh, seem ugly when cl seen close up or seen in isolation. But when seen in perspective, as a whole, these things are necessary to the overall beauty of the work. No matter how evil our world seems to us, it is all necessary for the overall beauty, which is seen through God's eyes. We have partial understanding. We cannot see the whole picture. Essentially, evil does not exist, at least from God's perspective. There are problems with this theodicy. 1. How is it that a creature created good turns away from God and sins? Hicks says this is contradictory. 2. This turning away suggests the creature was flawed, created with a defect. How could we have a flaw if we were created by God and all things created by God are good? If angels and men are perfect in creation, surely they should never sin, even if free to do so. 
If they do so, they must have been flawed, and this is God's responsibility. 3. There seems to be a moral issue here. God creating a world where we are free to choose bad things and then suffer, with some ending up in hell. 4. Could not God have created a world in which we are free but always choose to do the right thing? 5. If we look at the balance of light and dark in the picture, and take this analogy further, there seems to be rather too much dark. This is not a beautiful picture. 6. The idea of the fall is a myth. And anyway, even if it were true, why should we suffer for what Adam and Eve did at the hands of a God who is just? And finally, 7. The free will idea struggles with natural evil. Augustine suggests it's the free will of the devil. But how about animals who have no free will, or innocent babies who have made no moral choices? Augustine would say all of creation was contaminated by the original sin at the fall.